You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. We're speaking with Jay Lake here at SFNSF. Thank you for joining me, Jay. I'm happy to be here, Rick. Jay, you know, I wanted to talk to you a bit. We, we talked earlier today at the Geek Speak, but before Geek Speak, you were talking about your process about writing a novel, and I thought that was a really interesting process. Could you tell us about that? I mean, you're working a, a full-time job in the high-tech sector. How do you find time to write a novel in that world? Well, um, by most writer standards, I write kind of freakishly fast. So what I mostly do is peel off an hour or two a day, but I can pound out 5,000 words in that time frame on, on an ordinary day. So I also write in a straight line. I start at the beginning, I end at the end, and I don't take a break in the middle. That lets me hold the integrity of the voice and the plot together, and it lets me write 200,000 words in 35 to 40 days. That's a lot. Now, that's about a, your average 300-page book? Uh, yeah, yeah, 300, 350 pages in final print. Um, and then, of course, that's a first draft. I've got to work with it after that. But getting the first draft on the page is like bringing the timber out of the mountains. You can mill it all you want. If you don't have a log in the first place, you got nothing. <laughs> so what happens? You start a book now. Do you uh, outline your books before you start them? I do a small outline, five to ten pages. That's more to get my publisher to sign off than anything. I don't write rigorously from the outline. I'll use it to kind of guide me. Tell us a little bit about what happens once you finish your first draft. Well, the process then is that I'll send that draft out to a couple of trusted readers. I'll put it aside anywhere from a month to six months, depending on how much time I have. Then I'll go back to it where hopefully I'm fresh on it and I don't have it stuck in my head. I have to get it out of my head or read it over again to myself. And at that point, I'm going to make a lot of change notes. I'm going to make a lot, pick up change notes I made in the first drafting process, take the input from the early readers, do a rewrite. Then it goes to my editor uh, at Tor and she'll come back with another set of change notes. And I will do another rewrite, and at that point, I'll give it back to a couple of more of my trusted readers just to make sure I didn't fall off in that rewrite. Goes back to Tor again, goes to copy edit, comes back to me, I do another rework, goes back to Tor again, goes to galleys, comes back to me, and I do another read through. And, you know, after a while, I'm really sick of the stupid thing, but it's still my book. Now, this is for Tor. Do you have a different process for the other uh, your other publishers? Well, I have a series of Nightshade, which is an independent press. Because they're an independent press, they're just a smaller operation. They're not quite as process-driven as Tor. I don't actually see the book as many times. But the underlying writing process is still the same. And the, and the concept of the editorial ping-pong ball going back and forth across the table, it just makes a couple of less passes with them. It, your new book, Green, uh, sounds to me like it's going to be a little bit closer to the mainstream. And this is something that I've noticed about your work. I, I think you really have a lot of elements of mainstream embedded in almost all of your pieces of work. Do you think you might ever write something that, that is devoid or largely devoid of the fantastic? Well, the mainstream's not devoid of the fantastic. So even if I went totally mainstream, you know, published under a different name from HarperCollins or somebody, uh, look at any major book in the mainstream in the last few years, The Time Traveler's Wife, The Lovely Bones, um, The Road. Every, the, the fantastic's all over the place. Science fiction uh, won the war but lost all the battles, or maybe the other way around. <laughs> so um, your, but right now I, your work is still, you, for example, um, Escapement, um, Mainspring and your uh, Flowers books are, I think, a little bit more outre than you might find on a bestseller list. 
Well, that's true. I mean, I'm working very much in the vernacular of this field, and um, that's a vernacular that isn't very familiar to people who aren't themselves interested in the field. Whereas the books I cited, the elements that are fantastic or science fictional are backstory or kind of plot devices. They don't actually infuse the line-level prose. They don't actually infuse the plot very much. So in that sense, you're correct. I have actually toyed a little bit with writing mysteries just to see if I could do it. Um, and I, before I got sick, I was on a project to read a lot of mysteries, just to internalize the modern mystery structure and what was successful in the field. But even then, I'd be working with the vernacular of that field. To go straight into mainstream lit is actually something that also interests me, but it was probably further down the road for me. One thing I've noticed about your work is the, the variety of tones, subjects, and, and even though you're working within uh, the science fiction and fantasy genres for the most part, you still very widely. Could you talk about that kind of range? What makes you choose one project and go in different directions? Basically, I have a short attention span. And so when you get right down to it, uh, I'm like I'm like the kid in the back in the corner with ADHD who's punching himself all day long. And so if I don't have something new to do, I get bored. That's why in my body of my short fiction, I've probably written in every subgenre of science fiction and fantasy at this point. And even in, the, in my novels, including the small press, the unpublished novels, I've covered a pretty wide range. I'm primarily known for my, my novels are fall in the fantasy camp, more or less, although you could argue that about mainspring and escapement. But I've written a couple of pure play science fiction novels, and I've written stuff that goes in other directions. And I'm writing to entertain myself, first and foremost, because if I'm not entertained, I can't possibly expect you to be entertained. And what entertains me is variety. Well, uh, let's talk a little bit about where you draw some of your inspiration from. Um, do you do... Do you, like, read nonfiction in your off downtime between uh, novels? Absolutely. I read a lot of periodicals. I read Forte and Times. I read MIT Technology Review, which are kind of opposite ends of the poles of the reality spectrum. Um, I read nonfiction. I read fiction in genres outside my own. I read our genre, the fantasy and science fiction. Um, I frankly draw a lot of inspiration from current events. Uh, I mean, the whole world is filled with inspiration, every bit and piece of it. Uh, and I'm wondering also, can you tell us a little bit about Green, what, where it comes from and where it's going? Green, which is the book I just turned in, which will be out in June of 2009, um, is in a way about my daughter. My daughter's adopted from China. She's 10 years old now. And uh, I'm Caucasian, so we're a multiracial family. And the book is about a girl in, the, in a fantasy analog of South Asia, not East Asia, who's brought to live among people who are in a fantasy analog of Western Europe. So I'm using the traditional fantasy vernacular of Northwestern European culture, but I'm kind of turning it around from the outsider's perspective. And I'm really using my daughter's life experience as a template for the life experience of this character. And um, could you talk a little bit about how this book actually seemed... When I, what I saw of it, gave me a, a feeling that it's a, a little bit more restrained, say, than the Flowers books. Well, yes, and and that's me kind of wanting to reach a wider readership. The Flowers books are very challenging. They they have a lot of. Uh, Publishers Weekly said it was a grand guignol of violence and seriously perverse sex. Now, if you find that idea interesting, those are the books for you. If you don't find that idea interesting, run away screaming and don't read them because you'll never talk to me again. <laughs> what I'm going for of Green is a book that certainly has themes just as strong as the Flowers books, but a presentation that's much more mainstream is probably not the right word, but accessible to a, to a much wider range of audience. I, don't felt, I didn't feel the need to be extreme in that book. What I felt the need to do was write a story that I could reach more people with. Uh, I'm wondering if you could talk about, you mentioned that current events and what's happening around in the world around us inform your stuff. Have you written any um, material recently that you really feel 
like pulls directly and speaks directly to some of the stuff that's happening right now in the country, especially politically? Well, I have a story came out this fall in an uh, anthology called Alemical from Paper Golem Press. The story is called America, Such As She Is. And I personally think it may be the best story I've ever written, although that's a writerly statement, not a readerly statement. And it is about the United States in 1947, after we have lost World War II to a German-Japanese set of nuclear strikes on Baltimore and Portland, Oregon. And it's also very much about our experience in the Iraq War, um, where, except in this story, we are the analogs of Iraq, and the German-Japanese occupation is the analog of the American occupation of Iraq. And so it's in the sense that MASH was about the Vietnam War, or about the Korean War, but it was a protest of the Vietnam War. This book is about World War II, but it's a, or this novel, a novella is about World War II, but it's a protest of the Iraq War. That sounds fascinating. Thank you for joining me. I've been speaking with Jay Lake. Thanks, Jay. Thank you, Rick. You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.